Hello, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It is December 14th, 2023. I really, really, really hope that your Amazon orders are on track or your Christmas shopping is underway because <laughs> you've run out of time. But I digress. Let's get into some housekeeping and then we'll get into the good stuff. So uh, MSPinitiative.com, pretty much this is what everything that we do here, right? This session is being recorded like every other session we've ever done. It'll be in podcast format in your favorite podcatcher or here on the MSPinitiative.com under sessions, video and um, audio format. So we're in the podcatchers. We're on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. We keep doing these. People keep coming. We keep blabbering. Something good comes out of it. Uh, Community Minds. We did one of these last year in Denver. We're doing two of these uh, in 2024. One's going to be in Nashville. One is going to be in Denver again. Uh, I guess we just love Denver. So I think April and July, uh, we'll be posting the dates on this website shortly. Again, totally educational format where we have MSPs do panels, and then we bring in experts from the communities to do workshops with you. Uh, one that could be happening, because we had a, had mentioned it on a earlier podcast, was the 19 things in your business that ultimately determine its valuation. I'm like, oh. I didn't know that there were 19 things. I must be missing some. So that's an example of things where we're trying to actually bring totally educational formatting and MSPs who are in the trench with you doing the same work you're doing, giving you some intel. So that's Community Minds. This past year, we did six, six block parties, right? So these are after parties, block parties, boat parties, uh outdoor festival style concerts wow hold on Let's see if i can get this to work properly one second so the very last one we did was in orlando come on nope nope oh, got it okay the last one we did uh, was in orlando at it nation we brought in better than ezra sugar ray tonic the year before we brought in uh, all american rejects we do not bring in this radio recognizable band format for every single one that we do there's different sizes, different events. I think we're going to have plenty of these planned for next year. We're, we're in the middle of snapping these all together. Uh, we're excited for these, right? They're for the community. Uh, we hope that you have a good time because uh, they're for you. So stay tuned. 2024 block parties looks like they're going to be put up here at some point. We have some community offers. These are just hookups from uh, I, vendors in the industry trying to give you deals. Industry calendar as well. I've seen the Excel version of this. It will be uh, my 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 guru underneath the hood, Jen, will be updating this on our website shortly. So you can see all 300 plus possible dates of everything that you could do. You should just ask our friends at Threat Locker. I think they do 50 events a month on their own. So that means that they find uh, plenty of events to go to even outside of the MSP uh, bubble. Uh, that being said, that is all of our housekeeping. We got it out of the way. Our uh, guest for today's show is uh nick from uh threat locker how you doing today nick doing all right how are you uh, hey you know another day another adventure my friend um the first thing i wanted to point out was man i think you guys gave out like five or six cars this year <laughs> are you including the employee one we just gave away i i didn't even know about that <laughs> but, um, i know you guys were fond of teslas early on but the mustang mach e uh, blue uh, kind of car that you were giving away, at least on the on the outside, pretty pretty slick looking. Uh, I love the uh, the vibe there. Uh, but man, you were uh, you were giving away cars like candies this year. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to get uh, kind of the attention to the booth and everything like that. So, you know, the marketing team has done exceptional at finding ways to, uh, you know, pull, pull numbers in. You know how it goes. Everything trickles down. We can quantify what it means. And it just it seems to work. And it's honestly, I think more than anything, it's a good vibe. It's a good culture. It's, it's just fun. And I think that's kind of the, the whole thing is it's cool, right? That's that's what we're part of what we're trying to do. We think it's cool. A lot of people think, seem to just to agree. So um, probably the same same old next year. Yeah. I mean, you've been putting your, your card in, right? You've been putting your name in the hat for that, I would I, imagine. You know what? I don't think I could. <laughs> even if I did win, I'm not sure I could take it. But I, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Um, I, I don't know. I've always been a Mustang fan. It's just me. You know, like okay. all, okay. that, all the Fords that they make, I think that's the one I would get. But um some sort of Mustang, but the, I, I definitely have taken a look at that car for my own self at one point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. There's some sort of thing in my brain. This is just me guys. You know, where I'm like, I'm, I'm going to wait for some more electricity capability and power charging on the road before I go all in electric, um, stay yeah. gas, but that's just me. Uh, I do a lot of driving for whatever reason I'm up here in, you know, kind of Northeast Philly area. And like, if you're between Boston and like, Northern Virginia and Pittsburgh, like that triangle, mm-hmm. just drive. Like everyone's like, you take the train. I'm like, I, I don't think I've taken the train like even 10 times in my entire life. Look, like, really? I'm like, yeah, you just get in your car and go. They're like, that's a lot of driving. And I'm like, but it's easy. And like, <laughs> you just turn on sports radio and put the gas down. Like, it's not a big deal. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But hey, we all know what's coming. Technology is never ending. Uh, it is constantly moving forward, and um, the electric car thing is here for sure. If you're gonna drive, drive in style. Why not? Uh, exactly. There you go. Who won the? Uh, can we share? Did who won the uh, the employee car? Oh yeah, we we posted it on uh, our Facebook or LinkedIn stuff like that. Um, it's actually um, very proud to say it's a person from my team that moved over to our infrastructure team recently. Um, he was uh, one of my tier threes. He was the team lead, Blake Burton. Um, he's just one of those people that, you know, whenever he wanted, we were all outside, everybody looked over at me, people ever around me at least and go, man, he deserves it every single time. He's, you know, 12 hours a day. He's working hard. Everything you throw at him. Uh, he just, he just does it with a smile and he's the most even keeled person I've probably met within my team that I've hired, um, you know, moved up the ranks and, and now he's on the infrastructure side, just helping them out. So yeah, it was Blake. Uh, he was, we're all super happy for him and proud of him. And then I think there's, 13 or 14 other people that were in the running uh, and they all go on like a special trip because of it, because he won. Um, but everybody else that uh, was recognized as one of the top people that were voted for um, also goes on a trip. So pretty, pretty hey. fun. And it's been happening every year. So I was going to say, by the way, that's awesome. Number two, mm-hmm. pretty good consolation prize. If you ask me, uh, there was yeah. a time, <laughs> there was a time in, in my earlier uh, years here where I took a trip out with, couple of dudes and we uh the the whole point was to get on the prices right and um winning on prices right is exciting the consolation prize from prices right isn't so exciting so uh it's uh yeah for me it was a uh, cutco kitchen knives and a year supply of gourmet coffee uh that they ship to you every month and i don't even drink coffee uh so uh yeah for whatever it's worth i would say your consolation prize way better uh, good, good, good work to the people over at Threat Locker for uh, creating some cool experiences for the team. But, um, you know, I was, I don't really, I'm not even a news guy, Nick. 
Um, and we'll get into your story in a second for anyone who doesn't know you, but I'm just going to throw mm -hmm. this out. There. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't even turn on the channels. I, I sometimes flip through, you know, the feeds, uh, mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, see what's happening, but yeah, that's not even really on my regular to do list, but I just couldn't help but notice in like the last five days or so that, um, both the U S and the UK put out reports saying that, you know, like critical infrastructure is kind of not in a good place from a technology standpoint. And that if there was a targeted, you know, thing on like water supply or power grid or that kind of stuff that, you know, they would be in trouble. And I'm like, okay. I was like, by the way, if I know that there's a glaring problem, why am I putting that in the news? But okay. Uh, I'll just zoom back from there. Um, you know, like we all talk about cybersecurity in the sandbox MSP land, you know, about, hey, these are the things that we should be doing. And like, let's move the bar up a little bit and let's make it harder for like the low hanging fruit and all this stuff. But like, we don't think about water systems. We don't think about sewer systems. We don't like, these are just things that we take for automatic electricity, um, telephone towers, they, you know, internet providers, but like they're from a bigger, from a 3,000, 100,000 feet overview, not even 30,000 feet, if somebody wants to create mass havoc, that's where they're going to go, right? So I start to, I, I was starting to think to myself, and I'm like, well, number one, somebody should probably start thinking about this and not just go on the news and say that there's a problem. I was like, but number two, aren't, are their challenges the same challenges as our challenges? And I started thinking about this, and I'm like, there's basic blocking and tackling. There's like the, you know, training people on what's good and what's bad. I was like, but I feel like some of the same things we are doing in MSP land is basically the same as what they should be doing, right? Like, I'm sure there's a couple of extra precautions that could be taken, but in, all in all, the cybersecurity issue pretty much applies to everyone everywhere. Like it's, it's, I hate to go too wide on it, but like, <laughs> it's they're kind of putting it out there in the news. Hey, we're in trouble. Well, why aren't you guys at the big company level paying the same attention as we are trying to at the smaller company level? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I the issue is is really you know people, right? We we protect end users from hackers, but hackers are intelligent people. It's a business. They're operations. They're funding. There's backing. There's there's a lot that goes on there. Um, you know, we highlight a lot of that through Zero Trust World with the, the, the different things that we do and the sessions that we have and try to show people. Uh, but, you know, we're working with IT professionals, right? So I think I think you're correct. Uh, there's a broader issue everywhere. And it's really just about people clicking on things, doing things wrong, downloading things, really not keeping things uh, uh, nice, right? Keeping things secure. There's really no focus for it. So, I mean, to your point, even this happened, somebody attacked uh, Pinellas County. I think it's about two years ago, and they raised one of the um, one of the levels of something. I don't think it was like capacity or something like that. They raised it to a level that would have would have actually killed people if it had gotten through. The reason they found out, and this is troubling, is because the person working the machine saw his mouth moving. I think they used some sort of connection, you know, whatever it was that they used, uh, any of the connection tools that they could have used. Someone just have let it let it run, right? And somebody clicked on it, they let them in somehow and the guy saw his mouth move and that was it and they were probably a day or two away from people actually getting hurt so the physical infrastructure of things that are controlled by archaic systems that have no security are are very much an issue um you're 100 right about that 
And I think it's just a matter of time before something large enough happens where then laws get passed and things get put in place and things like that. So zero trust, I think, is, is really the only way to start to, to start doing that, to start implementing that. Now, that's zero trust doesn't just mean allow this, don't allow anything else. It means security awareness training. You have to pressure people. It, it, again, I think it's more about people than anything, um, but it is a larger issue. And I think it just really comes down to people training and then giving them the least privilege possible more than anything but we're not there yet i don't think but i think we're going to get there if something happens a lot quicker than if not no i mean listen i yeah i hate to get negative but uh, to your point right like i give you a quick story uh i grew up on a pretty residential road in the suburb of philadelphia and like there was an intersection like yeah one house over from where i live and like one direction had a stop sign and one direction didn't. And so everybody would just blow down this road and like people would get hit all the time. So like six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times a year, there'd be an accident. And you're like, this seems for this road off, like off the beaten path, not on a major like you know highway or, or through fare, like this shouldn't be happening. So they're like, oh yeah. So yeah, of course, George, you know, loud mouth, even as, as kid George shows up to, the township and i'm just like listen just put another stop sign in so we can stop having accidents on this road like, <laughs> it's not that hard they're like it's way well, too logical they're like well the police department uses that road a lot so we don't want to slow them down and i'm like is it going to take somebody to get killed for you to put a stop sign in because that's what we're talking about here well you know uh, just a little bit later like hopefully you know I don't think anyone got killed, but they got seriously injured, like helicoptered, the whole thing. And I'm just like, why don't we get to stop this? Like, just put the damn stop sign. In. And they and finally, I got enough people from the neighborhood to go and complain. And they finally put a stop sign mm -hmm. in. But like, this is an example of where they don't do anything proactively. Like, they have to wait for something bad to happen. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's people. We've seen it. And until we, um, you know make sure that we're aware of the history of things. If we forget history, it will repeat, you know, it'll always be that way. So one of the things that some of the industry experts, I, I, at least in our realm keep saying is that, you know, like how come the software companies that service our arena make a lot of the security optional, you know, like we've been, we've been hearing the words two FA MFA for at least five years. Let's be reasonable. I'm not going to say forever. I think five years is about right. Yeah. But like they don't enforce it. Like you actually have to go and turn it on. But when you go to set up a new account, it's not on by default. You actually have to go an extra step to actually enable it. I mean, I can't think of anyone more glaring than Microsoft, right? Like I think it wasn't until this month, December of 23, where they're like, hey, we're going to enable this by default now. Dude, where have you been? Like, you're supposed to be the big guy on the block. Why are you just now doing this? Like, I don't get it, man. I mean, I think the question is is why, right? And everybody I know in this industry, yourself included, obviously, has worked with end users, you know, customers of customers, whether you're once removed or at the direct, you know, IT department or you're just you're working with them, right? And it comes down to time and, and who has who you have to contract with. So if it's going to take too much, for people to get through it, um, or I guess more to the point, it, it stops productivity. If somebody has to do an extra step and they don't understand it, it usually comes down to that. Now, I mean, that's at a lower level. There's more of a comprehensive view that I think we need to look at maybe training beforehand. You know, for our product, it's 
it can be pretty invasive and it can stop people from doing their job if it's not configured right. But the kind of uh, the content that we have for end users for our customers that that you know utilize it and monetize it as a service, um, we're able to talk to people about you know, hey, if you see this, do this. It's kind of like you know SOPs, kind of all that internal stuff where here's a procedure for what to do when this happens. And I think if you just share the knowledge with people, it's going to be a little easier. But people, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's it's really tough. So the even the two the two FA MFA thing. You know, we see that a lot as well, where it is an extra step. And if somebody gets frazzled with it, you know, hey, I'm going to fire you as my as my service provider for for what you're doing for me, because this is too um, disruptive. Right. Um, so I think there's a balance between that. And I think everybody that is either listening and yourself included, obviously, being on this, you, you know, that pain. You've been there before where you have to dance that line with a customer and say, you know, hey, um, I really think that this is the best thing for you. And we're going to do what we can proactively. But there will be some some speed bumps that we have to go over, but there won't be a wall. We'll always get around it. Yeah. I mean, so I think there's a little bit of shared responsibility, you know, on, on three levels, right? You said, hey, here's the end customer. Here's the MSP or service provider that's servicing them directly. But then the, the, the vendor on the other side of that also needs to, like, take some pretty reasonable steps, right, yeah. to enforce, like, hey, I told this story on another session, but I'm a story guy today. Mm -hmm. I got pulled over one time, a long time ago, coming back from an Eagles game. And I I get out of my car and I closed my door. And they're like, why'd you close your door? And I'm like, when you get out of your car, do you leave the door open? Like, I I close mine. When I leave my house, I close my door, I lock it. (laughs) I don't know if that's just habit, but that's what I do. They're like, well, you shouldn't have closed your door. And I'm like, you know, I was pulled over before. I was telling the cop the story. I was like, I was pulled over before, and the cop left his door open, and you know, behind me, and somebody took his door off. I was like, I don't know what to tell you, but that's not why I closed my door. I just closed my door because it's habit. But I, I think you should close your door because somebody <laughs> could come out, and you could have a much bigger problem when you drive your car back to the to the shop with no door on it. He didn't like that, by the way um no surprise but like to my point right like there's just things that you should be doing as habit and if the the, you know the 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 person at the top part of the the story isn't you know building their solution with that in mind you're constantly trying to go backwards to plug things rather than it being set up that way to begin with so i think that you know there's some due diligence in place or needs to be done right at the service provider who's in the middle of this what could be really bad sandwich where like, Hey, listen, you need to make sure that you're making it easy enough so that your people don't have to remember to click 30,000 checkboxes to make sure that your end customer is okay. Because the one checkbox that you forget to hit, well, unfortunately that probably ends up in not even just a financial problem could be a legal problem for you too. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I think, um, you know, we've seen success with the vendors in the market that in the industry that, are you know because a lot of the businesses that we all interact with you and i the people that are probably listening uh the way that we've all worked with vendors in the past because i i in my start in this industry started as an msp you know with selling to enterprises and doing that and there's there's a lot more success in the proactive um outreach to the end to the end user right to the, the twice removed person from the product service or otherwise and we've seen a lot of success with the businesses that are enabling their customers to enable their customers. And it's, again, it's, it's like what you're saying, there's a lot of proactive um, process, procedure, 
and outreach that needs to happen. And and I think we've seen success with the customers to do that. Um, you know, here we we saw that early on and wanted to make sure that the end users had a path, right? So we built these, you know, little steps for them. Hey, if you see this, do this. If you see this, do this. And you know, it's it's worked uh, more than it hasn't, so that's good. I don't think we'll ever absolve uh, every uh, bad experience. I don't think that's possible. Um, but I think the goal, more than anything, is to just minimize it, right? So, um, yeah, I uh, man, I'll tell you what, I feel bad for the cop to pull you over. You're telling you're telling the guy a story about another story from another police officer. Uh, like, like, like no, time, no, yeah. no joke. I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got pulled over once, and the, and the cop went back to the to the yard with no door. And and I was like, I'm you know just telling you that you know this is history, guys. Like, you probably yeah, close yeah. your door. <laughs> My advice to you, uh, he again that was the opposite of his advice to me, and I guess you just didn't like that. But I just thought it was the obvious thing to say. Yeah, no, you should always use logic. <laughs> I love that because you're not always going to get a, a good response. But if you speak from logic, I think I think you'll be better off than not. So good yeah, for you. I was I've been given plenty good of advice. <laughs> I've been given plenty of advice over the years to just say nothing. But I digress. I couldn't help myself. I was mm-hmm. very, very interested in why the car doors being closed were so important. I, actually, it, it not too long after, I, they they asked me if they could search my car. Mm. And I was like, no. And they're like, well, what are you hiding? And I'm like, I'm not hiding anything. You want to bring the dogs? Bring the dogs. You want to get a warrant? Get a warrant. But if you're making, you give me a hard time, I think you should have to work for it. He didn't like that one either. And that's when I was given the advice. Just don't say anything. But uh, I okay, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's plenty of those stories, by the way. TSA security stories, George getting pulled over stories. We'll do I, another one on that. I got some I got TSA so much material. So, so much material. So much material. Um, so zooming out, right? Like, I think there is a little bit of cyber security fatigue. So much so that when the AI marketing started coming out this year, everyone's like, oh, what's this over here? And it's like, yeah, I've seen this, right? Every three, four, five years, the next thing shows up, right? First it was cloud, right? Then it was cybersecurity. Now it's AI, right? Like, okay, cool. I'm all for, I mean, I think a lot of us got into this industry because it's pretty cool stuff and like, love to see the evolution and like, we're all geeked out on it, but here's the reality, right? You know, as much as this stuff continues to happen and grow, the plumbing, the fundamentals, the, 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 the base foundational stuff still needs to happen, right? Like part, part of your cybersecurity strategy should be backups, right? If you stop doing backups because you're too busy over here, that's a problem, right? Or part of your cybersecurity strategy should be, hey, I'm going to limit access to your point, the concept of zero trust, which is a relatively newer part of the whole cybersecurity marketing aspect, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, what, sci- but what zero trust was, I feel like, Nick, it kind of got abused, right? For about six months, every, t- every time I turned around a corner, I saw the word zero trust. And I'm like, your company doesn't even do anything with this. Why are you marketing zero trust? So like, could you just boil it down to the basics? What is it and why do people get confused every time somebody says zero trust? Because it doesn't seem like everybody's using the same definition. My understanding of it from being here, right? Because before this company, it wasn't, you know, I've been here over three years now. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't out there. But this year was 
February was like, uh, yeah, I think talk about ChatGPT. That's all it was. All I heard about was, oh, just get, you know, put it in ChatGPT. Put it in, just do this. See what happens with this. Okay. Um, so for me, you know, coming into seeing us on uh, rise up through the years and then seeing everything around us, all the, uh, all the stuff orbiting around the industry, coming into Zero Trust, reading their website, understanding the brochures. Um, you know, I think you made a fair point that it was a lot of, um, it was just kind of on the surface, right? If I'm understanding what you're saying, I think a lot of it was. So the least privileged possible, uh, realistically allow allow the things that you need and everything else is denied. I mean, that, that's the, the meat of it. It just really is. Um, zero trust is, is not trusting everything. So you have, you have what you need. You allow that to do what it needs to do. You allow updates as you need. You allow certain things. But why does Outlook need access to PowerShell for an end user? It just doesn't. Don't trust it. There's no point because Windows, okay. when it was created... Now. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. But how many times did you run as an MSP, right? You were an MSP. I was an MSP. How many times did you run into an application that says, oh, you need admin, you need local admin uh, rights to, to, to run, right? QuickBooks All alone just to update it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All the time. So like yeah. when you couple that situation, right? And I don't know if that's just lazy programming or or what, but it's just how the way that particular program always ran. Uh, then you add in the very real and scary topic of supply chain, right? Like mm -hmm. some component that was used to build this application, you know, got compromised and then you updated and then all of a sudden, you know, all the crap ran downhill and you were the person sitting there. Like how, like what happens in that situation? Because at that point, then users probably the last one to know, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we saw that was it 2021 with the RMM uh, breach where there was a supply chain issue. It was through an update. It, you know, I think it was on-prem instances that had the issue. Um, there's ways to stop that because there's unique things that happen outside of what's already been trusted and known that you know something like Threatlocker obviously would see. Now, this is. I'm not trying to, to boast about the company. More or less, this is the only product I know that works the way that it does. Um, I don't know uh, a lot of the zero trust competition because I, I've what I've read into, there's not a lot under the surface. Uh, there's privilege access, there's administrative rights, there's things like that. But you know, when I was in sales here, even I talked to a lot of different customers that had breaches from admins that's like something from an email. So, you know, supply chain or not, you have admins that are just the same people as anybody else. They do the same security awareness training. They do the same everything. So that's kind of where we come to real zero trust is, is understanding how the application works, what it needs to reach out to for updates, the different hashes, the, the path, the versions that change, all these different things that happen uh, that are absolutely an animal to stay on top of. But, you know, it, it's things are not, Things are not absolute. There's always going to be something that gets around something. There's always going to be a smarter hacker. There's always going to be something that happens. So um, I think I think it's just inevitable and we have to adapt. But realistically, I I, I don't think there, there's going to be something at some point that just gets past everything. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know when it's going to happen. But even, even our owner says, you know, one day something will happen. One day somebody will get around to everything. It's just not going to make a difference at some point. Um, but yeah, the supply chain thing is always, it's always in the back of our heads. It's always looming over everybody. Um, you know, if they don't have the infrastructure and, and the, the security in place based on what's going in and out of the network, then something's going to happen. And it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely a lot more attention to this topic mm -hmm. because things have happened and 
yeah, well, yeah. And it just seems to continue, right? Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> again, uh, you can ask your upstream vendors all the questions you want. You're just not going to have all the visibility that you could possibly have unless you're going to start building your own applications, right? I mean, and you're the one that knows what <laughs> And and I would say most people, even in MSB land, do not have the resources on staff to to even do, you know, automation and APIs, let alone building software from scratch. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess your point is, or part of the concept of zero trust, along with what you're saying, is, hey, you need to build in some alarms, some some safety nets, and some some roadblocks, so that in the event the next thing happens because it's coming. It's so, not, you know, like we'll see who's the victim when the next thing happens. Did they have carte blanche free range, you know, access to everything or did you limit the bleeding so that if there was an issue, a compromise, an incident, whatever word you want to use, you slowed it down to the point where you prevented the worst case scenario. Is, is, am I following? Is that is that what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, minimizing the damage is, is always the key, right? Now, we've been successful in stopping those things from happening, but at the same point, I mean, I think the, the resources that smaller companies have, you know, in the last seven or eight years, I've worked with quite a few smaller companies, you know, one, two-person shops that they don't, like you're saying, they don't have the bandwidth to do their own thing. They don't have those things, so they rely on their vendors. And the, the most successful ones probably... Uh, from what I've seen, use more of their vendors' time than anybody else. You know, they leverage all the things that they have access to and, and the resources that don't cost them money. Really, their time at that point. But um, but yeah, limiting limiting the collateral damage is, is the best way to start out, at least at that in that capacity. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you this. Um, we talk about the end users going through security awareness annual, quarterly, whatever the increment. Hopefully, not more than or hopefully annually or less, not more. Um, the engineers, the technicians, the help desk people that are working inside of the IT service provider, managed service provider, pick whatever term you want. I, I feel like they're the least educated sometimes <laughs> out of all the people in the thread because they're so busy on the front lines just trying to keep things going it's not often they get updated on training of new things coming down the line until something bad happens. So that continuous, hey, you need to learn something new or this is a new thing that you need to be aware of or here's a new skill that you should adopt that will help you do your job better. I feel like those people on the front lines are the last ones to get to that concept. That's fair. Um yeah, and I think I think you nailed it. So a lot of the people that that manage the things that happen that are on the front line, you know, service desk one and two, people after resetting, they they don't really look further, right? I, I did work with an MSP. Uh, when was it? Probably about five years ago, and this was the most this was the, the most brilliant thing. They uh, basically took the same path as like if you have a real estate license, a broker's license, or something like that, you have to do continuing education. So he actually put everybody on his support side and everybody doing, um, you know, professional services, field services, stuff like that. All the people that actually talked to their customers, that dealt with tickets, that dealt with things moving, all the moving parts. He put them through continuing education. I think it was every six months, which, again, I think, you know, that they have time. It's, I think it took a couple of days every six months, took them out of out of their all of their work and said, you need to learn about the things that are changing. You need to learn about these things. And that was about the time that more cybersecurity was the focus. And 
you know, you saw Nova before picking up. I mean, all the security awareness training that they do, uh, Webroot was selling it. All these companies started to get into it. And it was just something that he put his team through continuing education to keep them up on the latest things. And I just thought, man, that is that is absolutely brilliant. You know, put make sure that your people have these, uh, you know, these kind of you're going to career path them. Put them through these things that are going to help help them build foundations into the next steps of their career, where they want to move, if they want to be promoted, if they want to do these things, they're going to need to stay clean. And I think that was the smartest thing I ever saw was was somebody put somebody they put their whole teams, everybody that touched anything that had to do with customers, tickets, or other otherwise, he put them through continuing education so they actually were up on those things. So, but yeah, I think you're right, and I I don't I don't see that happening in mass where everybody is you know kind of pushing towards that or taking them away from their job and saying hey take a step back. Let's, let's look at this from a high level. Let's get you guys back into the basics, right? Always look at data, pivot, and then analyze, right? So analyze the data, pivot when you when you see something happening and make sure that you are just staying on top of everything, which, I mean, I say that, but everybody listening and yourself, myself included, we work so hard. Uh, we, we, we spend a lot of time doing these things in the businesses and the, and the customers that we absolutely love, that we, that we bleed for. Um, it's hard to take a step back, but I think it's imperative to keep yourself uh, right so that you can actually help other people. Uh, I mean, by the way, kudos to the company that was doing that. I think that's a really good idea, actually. Um, you know, like, I know nobody wants to say, hey, <clears throat> take everybody off the front lines. Don't answer the phone. Don't answer <laughs> tickets for two or three days. I'm yeah. sure, that, yeah, maybe there's a way to rotate through that. But even still, I think that's a, an actually a pretty good idea. I feel like, you know, more now in the past 12 months, right? 2023. I've started to see maybe the business owners like, hey, I've been to this event a few times. I'm going to start sending other people from within the organization to go start mm -hmm. to learn, right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, you know, that's kind of a double-ended win, right? Hey, I'm sending you to actually better yourself. But B, it's kind of like a, you know, a hookup, right? Like how often you get sent on a trip to go to a Florida or a Texas, or you know where all these events are, some of these mm -hmm. nice places. So I feel like this year more than maybe the last, I know COVID was in there, but you know, the last three or four years, I started seeing service desk managers and senior engineers and project people and, and maybe some of the help desk, you know, front end guys and girls actually showing up to these events. And I'm like, that's a pretty cool hookup, right? I mean, these people yeah. probably don't have trips a lot for their job. Um not a bad way to get out of the get out of the house basement, you know, wherever your home office is, office office if you're still in one, and and get to go and actually communicate, you know, like learn from other people in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know it's funny you say that because if I would have never that thought would have never come through my mind. But man, we've been to so many trade shows over the years. I mean, I think ourselves we did 250 or so this year just or just just in what we do. Um, but I've started. I've, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we got a lot of cars to give away. Um, no, but um, you've seen a lot more people from a lot of different levels uh, coming in, and, and that's really fantastic. I mean, we sent our learning team on a, our learning platform, all the technical writing, all the university coursework that we do for our customers, and also internally, we sent them on a, on a week uh, thing. I think it was out in Las Vegas recently for um, just for them to get uh, kind of a prize of all the, all the new stuff that's happening, all the things that they have for resources. And that's not something that you know I've ever seen before, and I've seen at our, at our shows. You know, every year at Zero Trust, we see different people coming in from different levels. And I say, oh, I've worked with your your director. I've worked with your VP. I've worked with your, your CISO, whoever it is. And these people that are coming there, they're, they're so cool because like, like you said, they never really 
it's a win for for them because they get to go somewhere really cool, Florida, Texas, or otherwise. Um, but then they always always see other people going, and then they get to get that a uh, swag table when they come back of the stuff they didn't want. They get to pick from it, but now they get to be the ones going and picking up the cool stuff and learning things. And I think at a deeper level, it energizes people. It gives them a desire. It reignites the fire for whatever they're doing. Because at the end of the day, you know, imposter syndrome, I feel like I'm just typing keys on a keyboard, just talking to people, right? I just, that's all I feel like I'm doing half the time. Um, but those things are the things, the, the shows, the having your team go to it. Um, that's the stuff that I think really reignites somebody's passion and reminds them what they're doing. A hundred percent. So I am shameless plug. We did, by the way, everybody yeah. listen to this. We did not talk before this episode. We just jumped right into it, like almost every single time <laughs> we do this. But for whatever it's worth, <clears throat> here's one of the opportunities. And I've been to now two or three of these myself personally. Zero Trust World. <clears throat> it's not just about their solution, although if you want to see it, it's definitely there to see. But this is a pretty cool event, February 26th, 28th, in or 25th to 28th. I'm sorry. So that's three days. 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, four days. Sorry. Uh, so there's a Sunday, pre-day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Check out zerotrustworld.threatlocker.com. Uh, or I just went to Google and I just typed in Zero Trust World. It took me right there. And, and check out this event. Um, this is a pretty cool one to go to or to even send your people to because what they do is they try and lab train your people uh, and their certification exams, which are great. And, and we all like uh, credits for all that stuff. But you'll see in the agenda, if you click into some of these, there's some lab courses where I remember last year they had, you know, uh, how easy it is to infiltrate the wireless network wherever you're at and like hijack it so that you can start to do bad things. By the way, be careful with that one. And then there's also like, pre-programming USB keys to enter thousands of characters a second uh, into a computer. And like, by the time you figured out what happened, the damage is already done. And like things that are like, like things like simple things that people probably don't even pay attention to where, and they get flat footed and they get in trouble. So check out zerotrustworld.com. It's in Florida when it's cold everywhere else. So not a bad place to be, but I would say that's a good one to send Maybe your technical people, if you like a business decision maker, owner, whatever, doesn't want to go, no problem. But I would send some of your technical people so that they can get certified on stuff, which is always good, and learn some of the tricks of the trade. And you know, and I know, Nick, that, um, I don't know, that's part of every event I've ever been to. This is the networking. I want to talk to other people that aren't talking at me per se, but that are like maybe doing what I'm doing somewhere else. And you talk shop and you learn stuff because they're they're in the trench, right? So, um, you know, I know there's, you know, Threat Locker did 250 events last year on the road. There's more than 300 events here domestically in the U.S. you can go to next year. Take a look at that one. That might not be a bad one to take, you know, to try out. Absolutely. That's, uh, and I'll tell you guys right now, the, the, the point of the event, not, not the main point, but one of the main points the owner wants, that Danny always wants, is for it to be cool. And for it to be really value for the technical people. So you nailed it. Um, I think it's, you know, it's something that business owners obviously definitely can go to because as we know, a lot of the business owners in our world came from the service test, came from professional services, came from people that racked and stacked and plugged things in. You know what I mean? They're the people that worked with Telephony Gear back in the nineties and, and you know, all these all these old school people 
that uh that, that know the grind and that's why they're where they are because they did that work right so um it's really for everybody but i think more than anything we want it to be something that's valuable that people leave they've learned something um the rubber duckies the usbs that you're talking about um those i think the most successful thing i've seen from the shows that we've done um with just the stuff that we give out are those that our customers take to their end users and say here's how i'm going to show you why you're not as secure and here's why you need more security they plug it into their computer and they just show them exactly what happened um and they show them why they why they need that why there's these gaping holes and everything that they do so um you know, I actually did it to my dentist uh, the other the other month. I they have all this stuff sitting there, and you know, Dentrix and all these softwares that we've all kind of worked with and had to had to deal with an update. I plug something in, and this big gold flashes on their screen as says deposit money into this Bitcoin account. I'm like, it's a joke, but you guys really need some help here. I don't want my information getting anywhere because every time I come in, you ask me for my damn social, you ask me for all these things. I don't want that. So it's it's pretty valuable. Um, the the hacking classes that we've got. We always try to one up everything every year, so it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be really cool, and I think more than anything, it's, it it is for the technical people. Yes, please use it intelligently and smartly, <laughs> and not in an illegal way. Um, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. but nothing it pr- proves the point more than something in front of you, right? Um, another story. Back in my grade school days, right? And I'm, I think they still do it today, right? They would like have these fundraisers, right? Where you'd sell like a, a piece of candy for a dollar, right? And you try and like everybody gets sent home with a box. Well, George was a little aggressive at, at, in his younger days. And I would sell a pallet of candy every year because, you know, that's how I was wired. <laughs> uh, that being said, I, you know, one of the reasons that I always felt I was able to do that was I would pre-order the candy ahead of time. Because if I had something in my hand, I could sell it faster than if I had to wait for something to show up, right? Same kind of strategy. Like remember in the like 2019, one of the very fab things at the at the time was the dark web scan, right? And like you would type in somebody's email address and any password that had been infiltrated from like LinkedIn and Facebook and whatever would show up. You show up to your customer and be like, "Hey, um, is this your password?" And be like, "Where'd you get that from?" And it's like, mm-hmm, "Oh, it's on mm-hmm. it's on the dark web. What's the dark web?" Like. <laughs> That's a in your in the moment in front of you thing, right? So, like in your yep. case, went to the dentist. They're like, "Uh, oh f, what did you, what, what did I just do here?" And you're mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, man, like that wasn't hard." So, and I wasn't trying, but like you need to fix your stuff, right? That's a wake up call. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That that tangible thing. It's just you got to put something in front of somebody, and uh, it's it's it holds more weight, it holds more value. Um, yeah, and. Uh, I knew you were like that. See, I used to sell Girl Scout cookies, but I, I figured you were like that because you're a salesperson, man. You, you, I know you're in tech, the technical stuff, but you love the sales. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> Actually, even the remember the remember Boy Scouts did the popcorn, right? Yeah, like it was yeah, yeah. Not as popular as the Girl Scout cookies for sure. For sure they would do the for popcorn. Sure. I'd be like, I'm not taking orders. I need to be able to give these people their popcorn on the spot, and I'll collect mm-hmm. the money, I'll give it back to you, give me the next batch. And like, I know it was the reverse of what everybody was doing, but I was like, I don't like to wait. I don't want people to wait for their merchandise. Like yep. it's just easier when it's in front of them. And trust me, I did some really interesting things. I would like sell candy outside the movie theater. They didn't get, they weren't like that, by the way. Like, you know, go to milk. <laughs> They're like, it's cheaper than in there. And they'd be like, yeah, give me some candy. And like, I would do stuff like that, but it worked. It worked. So even though it's a little, you know, some will say it's gimmicky, this is part of the problem 
And I know we're going a little bit off the cybersecurity topic, but I think it's just a technology industry issue. Mm-hmm. For 20 years, every time I've seen people surveyed, one of the top five things was MSPs are not good or need help in sales and marketing. Sometimes you just need the right tool, trick, angle for the right conversation. And like, by the way, for people who aren't bought in, right? They're like, you're just trying to, you know, scare me. This isn't an issue. And I'm like, hey, dude, you don't have to go to the headlines. You can just go down the street and find people in your town that have been hit. But if you don't think, um, if you think I'm just giving you, you know, blowing smoke up your, your behind, let me show you. I'm going to get your wireless uh, password from your cell phone and your laptop. I was like, I'm going to show you what your wireless password is. I'm like, what do you mean? And like, that tr- other trick that I learned from Zero mm-hmm. Trust World last year, I was like, it could be dangerous. But in reality, you cannot just get, you can get a lot of intel information off somebody and you don't even know what's happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, again, it, it, use it correctly. Use it uh, in a, with, with a good moral compass. But yeah, definitely that's, that's the move. I think that's the only way um, to bridge the gap sometimes because uh, end users, uh, internal IT enterprises are looking at something as risk and risk mitigation and, and protecting loss. If you can show them what that means and say, do you know how much downtime, what that costs you? I used to work next to uh, next to Tech Data actually in Clearwater years ago, and they were down, I think AWS on the East Coast went down for a day or two, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. They, one of the top people of the logistics team, because I was shipping a lot of hardware at the time, told me, Every however many hours, like two or three hours, they were losing a million dollars because the pallets were sitting, they weren't moving gear and they could quantify their downtime. So, you know, I think that's more important than anything is is understanding the market, seeing what the end users are doing, understanding their business, their revenue and saying, if you're down for a day, if you have to revert to backups, that's fine. That's a quick, uh, that's a quick way to recover. Quantifying their downtime and showing them the cost for something makes it more tangible as well, because you can... You can throw gimmicks at them. You can throw anything at them. But I think the the best use of time in a sales capacity to bridge the gap between uh, the value add and them understanding what it means to the business is showing them the quantifiable measure of what they're going to lose if something happens. Now, you know, password things like that. You know, you can help them with security awareness training. But I think part of it, more than anything, in the successful businesses and MSPs I've seen, they're telling their customers and their prospects what their downtime costs them, and they don't always know that. So you're coming with value. You're coming with new information. And you're saying, I can help you. And here's what it's going to cost to help. And it's a lot less than what your downtime is going to cost you. I mean, at the end of the day, just just like I, my story in the beginning, which was, hey, you, you get away for somebody to get killed before you just put a stop sign up. And by the way, a stop sign is not very expensive to put up, guy. Um, when, you're, when your company is down for a week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, I mean, you might not, some companies don't survive that, right? They, you know, like small companies may just take bite the dust, right? We saw this during COVID where, you know, they can be fragile. And I don't think people think about that. They think they're, and I know that the word insurance comes up all the time. Uh, yeah, the, it, your insurance is probably Swiss cheese. When it comes to this conversation, um, I think a lot of people think they're covered. It's a false sense of security. You're not covered. Because your insurance agent that's selling you your general, you know, insurance and your car insurance and your professional liability insurance, it's just a tuck-in for them, or it was for a long time. And like when you actually read, have somebody competent read through it, you find out um, 
Now, if you go back and just ask scenarios to your insurance uh, person, I think you're going to find out the answer is really no in a lot of cases. And uh, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take. No, and you're absolutely right. I think the underwriters that do the the policies and look at the the risk and everything, they're they're looking for ways to not cover a claim. And then when they find none of that, okay, it's covered, right? It's the opposite. Years ago, I was in the insurance industry and that was, you know, as an adjuster even. And I mean, you're looking mainly for reasons and you're trained for reasons of why to find a way to not pay something. And, you know, a lot of people assume that and they're not, they're not wrong. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you don't have a lot of safety measures in place. So, you know, if you, if you want something done right, do it yourself, get yourself in there, get, uh, get your gloves on, get dirty and just try to make it happen, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of these smaller MSBs are bootstrapping it. They're doing that. They can't afford these big policies, these, you know, millions of dollars of, of insurance. Um, but, uh, you know, depending on the, the type of vendors that you can leverage, you know, um, leverage other people's time and money to protect yourself as much as you can. And I think the MSPs got the message, even even recently, within the last year or so, that if you are handed <laughs> the uh, the check the boxes true or false from the insurance yeah from somebody's insurance company, and you are like, well, I'm gonna round up, right? You're almost there. I'm gonna say yes. That's not good because that almost there is could be the linchpin to the whole thing not being handled. So I think you gotta like number one, the MSP's gotta be real careful, and I would round down. Hey, if it's not 100% true, the answer is false. You don't have it all turned on, right? You don't have it all set up. You don't have all of the right pieces in place. And by the way, if that means that your end customer's premium goes up by 5X or they get, they aren't able to even take it at all, then that's, then that's what it is. Like, don't put yourself in a compromised position as an IT services provider to be the guy, you know, who they're going to point the finger at and say, well, like George filled that out, not me. And then they're going to go to you and they're going to say, why did you answer it this way? And now you're in a bad, bad spot. And by the way, I've, I've, this is not a fictitious hypothetical thing. This is happening. This has happened. And by the way, it's going to be worse because I've seen the more recent ones where it says, please write who is the person completing this application and sign it. Yeah. Yeah. When you leave it up to somebody else and it's objective, that gray area, you're going to lose every single time. I mean, we, uh, you know, we've had a lot of meetings lately here going through FedRAMP um, processes and there's, you know, 176 pages on an Excel sheet of responsibility and who covers what. And that's hours and hours of meetings with C-levels, with VPs, with everybody. And it's all about liability and who owns what. And and that they don't leave anything to the gray area. But what you're saying, you're 100% right. If you leave that up and it's objective, you're going to lose every single time. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, what's your best position, right? For, I mean, everybody's going to say, hey, I got, I got phone calls, emails, postcards, packages coming in the mail, text messages of every security company solution product on the planet calling me trying to sell me their solution. <clears throat> Why is threat locker something that they should pay attention to in a in a what is many people say a very crowded you know vertical cybersecurity every sends a new thing pops up every day. Why should they look at threat locker as a service provider? 
That's a fair question. Um, off the top of my head, our business, our industry, there's a lot of intelligence. There's a lot of smart people. I see it not exactly for the weak, right? It's you have to have a strong backbone and you have to be able to talk to people about things that are just a, very much under the surface level. So I think that the MSP market are, you know, they're people just like anybody else, but they're generally intelligent people. And I think they can see through what's on the surface. So why people should look at ThreatLocker? Um, because when you go through the POC, when you go through a trial, you're talking to our solutions engineers, you're talking to even the salespeople, um, you can very quickly see that there is a lot more under the surface. There is real protection. Now, there's a lot to configure. There's quite a bit to go through. Um, but at the same time, we guide you through every step. The content that we have for the end users that helps you not spend time talking to them and working with them on cyber hero management. So the approvals come to us. You can offload that service that's cost. Um, we are built to help our customers be successful. And that is translated to, to every single facet of not only the concept, uh, but the actual ongoing management of it itself, right? So the sales engineers, I can't tell you how many companies, actually I can, every single one except for this one, where I've gone through um, vendor management and worked with uh, you know trials of, of customers. I either get to a different uh, sales engineer or I don't have anybody after I purchase, right? Our solutions engineers are with you. I've had, uh, when I was in sales, I sold quite a few licenses to a customer that deployed, I think it was like 6,000 licenses and secured them within five months. Now, they were a massive MSP that was extremely mature operationally, right? But they met with our sales engineer every week for six months. We made the time, we did that. So that doesn't cost anything. We spend the time with you. So I think that's all just kind of seen through uh, the process of becoming a, a prospect into a customer here. Um, even from the support side, our escalation procedure, if you're recalling the CEO in the middle of the night, we're calling the CTO in the middle of the night if we can't fix something. Uh, fortunately, it's not as often uh, as it used to be. Things are, are working a bit better, but uh, more than anything, I, I think it's worth a look because it's something that very quickly when you do spend a little bit of time, you see that there is so much under the surface that is enabling our customers, MSPs and enterprises, larger enterprises, uh, to offload some of the cost and time and translate operational procedures all the way down and help our customers be successful with just not spending as much time to manage everything. It's not a set it and forget it for sure. It's not near, nearly as easy as that, but there's so much enablement that we have and so much uh, attention to detail that we have with our customers uh, that I think, you know, it's, it's very quickly worth it when you compare it to any other security product that we've seen. Um, and I mean, personally, it, you know, for me, this is probably the only place I've really been able to drink the juice from, right? I can I can see the results. I can I've been I've had customers that are three years old uh, that I sold when I was just just over here, and then moving to support, seeing their success on that side, where I can actually quantify the time they spend within our own portal. They're spending less and less time because we train our customers to be self-sufficient. You know, our chats um, we haven't gone. You know, we've probably 10 or 20x our customer base. We haven't gone more than 4x our, our tickets and, and support. Uh, time utilization in the last probably almost three years. Uh, so it's, it's, it's more of a means to an end. Looking at the high-level numbers, a lot of things flow into um, our customers spending less time over time in the product because they're able to configure it and they're able to do that. So I think more to the point back to the beginning, um, once why people need to look at it is because it, there's a lot under the service that, that really is uh, substantial and really is uh, something that can help them and help their customers. A lot of people tell us they can sleep at night because of it. And I think realistically, that's just the proof's in the pudding. You can 
actually see the results when you go through the proof of concept. I, I think everybody should educate themselves on as many things as they can. Seems like this is a worthwhile, you know, kick the tires, guys. I'm not telling you to take your credit card out, prove it, drink, you know, proof's in the pudding, like you said. You know, if you're going to spend some time to make sure that you have the right stuff out there. And by the way, you can't just do that once in a blue moon. It's got to be probably minimum annually. Probably need to reevaluate your stuff and make sure that you have the right things underneath the hood. Sounds like it's worthwhile, you know, uh, to kick the tire, see the trial, talk to them, see if this fits. What do you got to lose other than a little bit of time, which I know you know, can't get it back. But uh, for something, for companies that are very built for the IT services, managed services lane, there's not, a, out of all the security companies you're going to see side by side by side by side by side here, if you ask them how many of them are really focused on the IT service provider, managed service provider lane, it's going to shrink dramatically. And this is a company that is focused on that lane. So take it for what it's worth. Nick, how do they find more information about ThreatLocker, how they help MSPs, uh, maybe get in touch with you, all of that stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the website, you know, book a demo on the website. Uh, that's probably the best way to kind of get something in uh, really quickly. Uh, one of the things I do want to say to our YouTube page, it's phenomenal. When um, Back when I was working with different departments uh, and even working with the account management team, we have a lot of, uh, like the owner does a lot of demos on there. Uh, there's a lot of other content on there if you really want to see it. Um, definitely go there. It'll excite you. Um, there's a lot of things within Windows that we can we can help you with. Uh, but really, just go to the website. We like to funnel everything through there. It's easy for us to get people uh, in touch with you very quickly. Um, yeah, absolutely. And 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 support itself. Who uh, you know, I'm I'm the uh, kind of the director of the support team. Um, come into chat. You know, portal.threatlocker.com. Get to get help from a cyber hero. We'll answer you within 60 seconds to get a real human. Um, ask questions, whatever you need. Uh, we'd like to be a part of, uh, you know, answering any questions that you guys have. That's awesome. Nick, thanks for taking an hour every day to come on here. We recorded this session. It will be available on all of our channels, including mspinitiative.com, under sessions, shortly. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to run into you sooner rather than later, Nick. I, you know, you, you're out you're out and about uh, quite a bit uh, as the year progresses. Hopefully that means uh, I'll be stopping by Zero Trust World again on February uh, cause again, uh, Florida in February, I'm down. <laughs> uh, thanks again. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for everybody who's watching this session. Again, we do these Tuesdays, Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time. I know the holidays are coming up, so, you know, we might take a break there for, for a little bit, but and then come back strong in January. Uh, but, uh, stay tuned and Nick catch you on the flip side, my friend. Thanks George. Appreciate your time. Thanks everybody. Take it easy.